Okay. Um, first of all, you have a, a hymn here. We're not going to sing it. I'm not going to leave singing. It's going to have nothing. I, I, it was just that as I was doing this, this is, this is something that just kept coming to my mind. So when I don't make sense today, you can go to this, and this will tell you what I was trying to say. So that's how it's going to go. So, Okay, so um, just let me give you a little um, heads up on what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be aliens and strangers in this world. And we're going to look at that through the prism of three big themes in 1 Peter. And you have those themes, um, the three big themes that we're going to look at. It's kind of, it's something taken from every lesson that we've had thus far. And so, um, but it's, the three big themes are you have been born again to a living hope, you have been born again to the living and uh, abiding word of God, and you have come to him as living stones, and you are being built up like a spiritual house, like living stones. And you can see that the, the thing that just kind of jumped off the page for me was the idea of living. It just kept saying these things over and over. So that's going to be our big theme, and I will tell you that this has been a really hard lesson for me to do. So I'm going to pray for I'm going to pray for myself that uh, that this will make sense because I was out in the car a few minutes ago running through it and it made no sense to me. So we'll just we'll just we'll just see where we are. So let me pray for us. Father. Um, Thank you for the privilege of getting to share your word with these women for so many years. So let us pray that you will be glorified today, that you will use me as one of your needy children and that you will fill me with everything that I need to glorify your name today. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. So, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you just don't fit in? Maybe you've gone somewhere and, and you feel like you're the only one who doesn't know anyone. You don't know what to say. You just, actually, all you want to do is just get out. You just want to go home. That, that, have you ever been in that situation? Or, have, or perhaps another way to look about being an alien and stranger is when you go to another land, another country, and, and you're there, and you don't know the language, you don't know the culture. You, you, there's just several things that, that you feel that makes you feel like a stranger there, that you just don't, you just don't know how, how to fit in there. It's just, it's just not home for you. Well, that is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about how are we supposed to live when, when Jesus tells us that we are aliens and strangers here. What does that mean? Because we know that there's a purpose here, but what does it mean to be aliens and strangers? So, um, I, here is, as I was reading through uh, First Peter and 
And I found these things that just kept jumping out to me about living this and living that. And, and I just thought, um, what, what, is, what is Peter trying to tell us? He's using those words on purpose. What is he trying to tell us? So we're going to use that, that big overview. And, and it relates to what these things relate to how we live here as aliens and strangers. And I think one of the things that, that also jumped off the page to me is that Peter, was te- Peter tells us that, of course, we should feel like aliens and strangers because we are. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to try to figure out this morning what Peter is telling us about living here. And I, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that Peter has to tell us. So in the very first verse of 1 Peter... And this will be under, uh, you have been born again to a living hope. In the very first verse of 1 Peter, he identifies those to whom uh, this letter is intended to go. And he addresses it to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. And what is the dispersion? Well, the dispersion actually in its simplest form, is it just means the Jews who were living away from Palestine. It probably refers mostly to the Babylonian captivity, but it's like you're not home. You're away from home. And you can see how that applies to us. We're not home. We're away from home. And so he, so Peter is, is setting that stage. He's setting that stage for us. And, and I think those words, elect exiles of the dispersion, are heavy with meaning. And, and I do want to say that those words are really important because I think Peter is using those to set the theme for his letter. And the theme is this, you are not home yet. You are living in a foreign land and you are a stranger here. But there is a purpose for you to, to be here, so stand firm. That's kind of, that's kind of a big picture of what First Peter is about, and and if you if you look at it, it's, he's just saying God doesn't want this to be our home. It's an out, outpost on our journey home. Now there will be a new heavens and new earth, but this is not it. And so as we live here on that journey, Peter wants us to live in a way that we're not making this our home. But he says something else. He says he tells us that he wants us to live, leave an aroma that we have been here. So that's what we're going to talk about first. So we're going to unfold that idea of being an alien and stranger, and we're going to look at these three things. So you have been born again to a living hope. You have been born again through the living and abiding word of God, and you have come to him a living stone, and you are being built up like living stones. Obviously, we're going to fly really high and fast because that's a lot of information. So let's jump in. Living hope. Do you love that? I love the sound of that. I think it's just so powerful that you and I have a living hope. So let's put our anchor down in that and see what's being talked about here. I uh, read a little article by Kathleen Nielsen, and she actually was talking about 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12, and she divided it into two parts, and it was really helpful to me the way she did. And she said that verses 1 and 2 in 1 Peter 1 are talking about who we are in God's perfect love, and then verses 3 through 12 tell us where we are in God's story. 
And I found that so helpful in order to get that big picture, which is what we're doing. We're getting big pictures today. And what what she is talking about in verses 1 and 2 is that our identities are determined by God. So what does that mean? Well, Peter wants us to know that we have a hope that is eternal, and he wants us to know that someday that hope will be sight, but it's not today. And so he, he, begins to, he begins to tell us, however, what it looks like that we have that certainty right now. How does that cause us to live? Even though things are hard right now, and we've found that, haven't we? We've had in our church far too many funerals. There have been far too many. We have had far too many struggles in marriages. We've had far too many broken relationships. And Peter is trying to help us begin to to look at those things and try to figure out how do we live in the midst of those and how do we overcome some of those. I mean, if, if we're living in this broken world, we cannot help but notice how broken it is. When we, when we are setting our eyes on Jesus, how can we not see the brokenness of this world? And here is the, the eternal hope that Peter wants us to have. You have a living hope. So, in verses 1 and 2, how, does, how is he exposing that to us? When he says we are elect exiles, that he, you know, to be elect means you were chosen by God. It's driving us into the idea that before the foundation of the world, God knew us. He set his love upon us then. He elected us then. But he also elected us to be exiles. And so what that's telling us is we're where we are meant to be right now. If God knew us before the foundation of the world, didn't, don't you think he knew that we were going to be here right now and that we have a purpose in what we're being here? This is no mistake. We are absolutely where we are meant to be. Now, how do I know that? Well, there's a further way I know that. Because Peter tells us that where we are right now is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So... Where you are right now, the hard things you're going through, the beautiful things you're going through, they're all in God's plan for you. That's an encouragement to me. That helps me to know. God foreknew me He intimately forever and ever and ever, and he knew where we would be right now as exiles in this broken world. But there's more. We are elect exiles not only by the foreknowledge of God, but by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And what that is telling us is that the Spirit has made us alive. We, we were dead, and the Spirit has made us alive. And not only that, he's causing us to grow in holiness. And so it, this, is, this is showing us the work of the Trinity in our lives. We were foreknown. We are put here. God set his love upon us. He gave us the Holy Spirit that we didn't have to do this on our own. And so we're growing up in holiness because that is God's plan for us. And, and it's hard, and it's hard in this world, and it's hard, and we fail in our holiness, that, that, the new, that new life that is growing in us. And sometimes we don't live according to the Spirit, but the Spirit is just constantly working in us to draw us to that. But there's something else. There's something else that we need to know. That we need to know that, that 
we, that Peter says, we're going to face various trials. We're going to be tested by fire. And it's going to be to show the, show the world the genuineness of our faith, but to show us the genuineness of our faith. That those hard things have a purpose, and they're really hard. But the Spirit has made us alive, and there's something else. But Peter wasn't finished yet. He said, not only that, not only the foreknowledge of the Father, not only the work of the Spirit, but you've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's talking about about covenant language. It's new covenant language. We have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the eternal covenant. It's, it's the, the true covenant that all the other covenants in Scripture were pointing to. We have been bound to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We have been sprinkled with his blood. And when we're sprinkled with his blood, it says, you are mine. You are mine, and I will never let you go. Because he paid for our redemption. Because he paid for it, it's certain. Now, my friends, that all of these things were true before we did anything. Yes, it happened in space, time, and history, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But just know these things were set before the foundation of the world. Now, in verses 3 through 12, Peter puts these things in these truths in space, time, and history. He says, he is trying to tell us how that's going to work out as we're living here in this world. And so he begins talking about that living hope. He's taking those things that, that were true before the foundation of the world, and he's putting them in our lives. And he's saying, you have that living hope. You know what the, the definition of hope is in Scripture? It is faith looking to the future. So we're living now, right here, in faith, this day-to-day faith, but we always have our eye on that hope. And that's what keeps us going. That's just such an incredible, important part. There came, there came this moment in time where we were actually born again. Not a surprise to God, but it, it was a surprise to us, I'm sure. And, and we were born again to a living hope. How were we born to that living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We, and we were born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfailing, kept in heaven for you. Is that not, that's kind of securing, isn't it? I mean, how, how can our hope not be centered on a living hope? And we, we who are by God's power are being guarded for a salvation ready to be revealed. That means when Jesus comes again. And in this we rejoice even though now, and I'm going to paraphrase it, it things are really hard. That's what we talked about. But God is getting us ready for home. All of these things are getting us ready for home. All of these things are causing us to shed the old things and put on the new things. And it's showing forth the reality of our faith, and God is guarding that faith. But the thing is, he's guarding that faith in heaven, but, but the truth is we must work that out here. And so here we are in the midst of all these things that are going on all around us. And we will obtain the outcome of our faith, and that's the promise. We live this moment by faith, but we have a living hope. And our eye is always going to be looking forward to that hope. Okay, that's the first thing. 
That's the first big theme that Peter wants us to know. He wants us to know our security in Christ. So what is the second enormous truth? Well, it says this. This is what the passage says. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers uh, of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It's interesting at first glance, when I was beginning this preparation, uh, it seemed to me that, that Peter was talking about the written word, the written word of God. And he is. He's talking about the written word of God. But it's kind of secondary to what Peter is talking about. And here's what I mean. When he says, we obey the truth, the truth is the gospel. And Peter, and the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And Peter is telling us here that we purify ourselves by obeying the gospel, which is the truth Now, what does that mean? It means we put our hope fully on Jesus Christ. It isn't what we do. It isn't the faithfulness of how we live, although that's important. And scripture tells us that's important. But no, what we're talking about here is that that we are, Peter is calling us to just put our hope on Jesus. That's what he's calling us to do, that he is the center of the center of all scripture. Tim Keller quoted, has a quote that I find really beautiful. And it's this. This is what he says. He says, all the lines of scripture find their meaning and their resolution in Jesus Christ. The whole scripture. When you read the scripture, it's all telling us about Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's some, there's some other things going on, but it all is focused on Jesus. The gospel of Jesus informs everything about scripture. That's what Peter is telling us. He says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of an imperishable seed through the enduring word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He is the imperishable seed. The gospel is the center of all scripture. And with that, without that story, our story would be no story. That is where our hope is centered. Our obedience would have no purpose because our obedience is to believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, we have other obediences that we come to, but our obedience is to love and to serve Jesus Christ. And without the sprinkled blood of Jesus, we have no hope. Our sins have to be paid for, and we have no currency to pay for our sins. Death has to be defeated. We have no way to defeat death. Those things have to happen. You have probably heard it said that Scripture is his story. And it is because he is the center of the story. And the scriptures become our story because of him. Therefore, we obey the truth. And the center of that obedience is to be found in the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To obey the gospel is to put our hope fully on Jesus. And we obey because this is his story about infinite and eternal love. His love for us that was infinitely costly. 
And we belong to him, and his love is to flow through us as we love one another. You see, that's what this passage is getting us to. If you are going to be faithful to Jesus Christ, then you're going to have to learn to love one another. If, if scripture is about loving God and loving our neighbor, we have to grasp what that looks like. And in order to grasp what loving our neighbor begins to look like, we have to understand about God's gift of his son, the son laying down his life for rebellious sinners. And Jesus makes every line of scripture just explode with meaning for us. Now, we're not diminishing God's written word. You know that's not what I'm saying. It's just saying that you've got to get the center of the center deeply embedded in your heart. And then we come to the, the rest of this. It is in the, in the scriptures that we learn the center of the center of true obedience. And what is that? What is the center of the center of true obedience? That we love one another. That is what Peter is talking about in 122. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, which is a sincere brotherly love. We love one another earnestly. You know what that means? It means that we work at it. We work at it from a pure heart because we are doing it not because we initially have feelings about it, but because Jesus has called us, he's teaching us that. He was bringing those, those, that sense of love into our heart. It's a new way of doing things. And when you, the, the word earnestly is an interesting thing because here's what it is. That word means to run at full speed. I think that's interesting. It just, it means that we have to run with full speed. No matter what, we cannot let this love not take place. We have to learn to love one another. We may be completely different. We may come from all different kinds of backgrounds, all different ages, whatever it is. But, but, but Peter is telling us we have to run with all the speed that we have to love one another. And yes, we do it because we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. Jesus Christ binds us together. Love from Christ begins to break down all the walls that are built up in this world. And we've got to break through every one of those walls. And we are family. And we are being called as broken as we are. We must push through to love one another. We cannot let things remain the same because the gospel has the power to change everything. The Spirit will be working in us using the sword of the Spirit, God's Word, and he will help us see what love looks like more and more. But love within the family of God must grow. We must find a way to love one another earnestly. We must be running at full speed. We have been infinitely loved. And the passage closes with this. All flesh is like glass, grass and all the glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. You know what? One commentator writes this just to summarize that beautiful verse. 
And he says, we are flowers that fall, and we need a living word that abides forever, and that living word is Jesus Christ. Okay, so before we get to our final uh, living truth, we come to this hinge verse, and I know you talked about this in your classes. And at first, if you see this in the midst of the passage, you think, oh, where does this fit together? Put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow up into your salvation. What's it talking about? Put your anchor into Jesus and put aside these things can't even be named among us. How could these things be named among us? Because Jesus has loved us. We've got to break down these walls. We need to drink of the pure spiritual milk, not of the tainted ways of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. No, we've got to die to those things because we're growing up into deeper and deeper depths of our salvation. We are. We can do it because of who we are and because we have tasted that the Lord is good. And so Peter tells us we have something far, far better. As we come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, precious, You are like living stones, and you are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You are being built up to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. My friends, if we belong to Jesus, who here is identified as the living stone, the one who was rejected by men, he was spit upon, he was beaten, he hung on the cross naked, He was put in the grave, but the grave could not keep him, and he rose again, and he is the living stone that we are being built on. And here is the most important thing. The world may reject him, and there will be many in the world who reject him, but you know, in the sight of God, he is chosen and precious, and he must be so to us, and we must put our hope in him. Peter goes on to say, and here's our beautiful purpose unfolding, that you yourself, as you come to him, because it is only through Jesus that we have life, we come to him like living stones. We cannot be built into this church. It's speaking here of the the building of the universal church of the chosen people of God, and it is talking to us here today because we are the expression of that at Fort Worth Press. And it's calling us that we have come to him like living stones and we are being built up like a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are those? It's that. It's that we love God and we love our neighbor and we begin dying to the things in ourselves. We're being built up on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has shown us what it is to love. It is about laying down our life. There's so much that we could say about this, but we're going to close. We have come to the living stone, and we are the new people of God. And through him, we are being built into this spiritual, this spiritual house. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's own possession. We were not once. We once were not those people. But in Jesus Christ, all of those barriers have been broken down. In our relationships, 
all of those barriers have been broken down, and we together are those things. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's own possession. And what that is telling us that we need to draw near to one another and we need to reach out into this broken world and take a love that is so alien they will want to know. There will be some who will want to know of the hope that is within us. And so we live as aliens and strangers, yes, but we're leaving an aroma as we live here. May we grow ever deeper into that love. Father, uh, how can it be that we should be loved by you? How can it be that you sent your son to die for us? How can it be that we, as broken vessels that we are, that we are being built up into the very temple that is based on Jesus Christ? May we be so at this church. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.